Good morning. In today's headlines, a man on a mission. That's how California police are describing a suspected serial killer who has gunned down six so far. We have the details. Doctor groups ask the Justice Department to investigate what they perceive as disinformation about gender reassignment procedures for youths. Elon Musk changes course and proposes to close the Twitter deal on the original terms. We have the details. A $100 billion investment is coming to New York. That's confirmed by chipmaker Micron on Tuesday, calling it the largest semiconductor facility investment ever made in the U.S. And America's debt surpasses $31 trillion for the first time in history, despite President Biden signing the Inflation Reduction Act. Find out what economists say about the future of our economy. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning, and I'm Evelyn Lee. It's Wednesday, October 5th. We want to begin with updates on a series of murders in California. Police in Stockton released surveillance footage yesterday. It shows a person of interest that police are looking for. They say the crimes could be the work of a serial killer on a mission. The cases have left residents of the Northern California city on edge. The police are linking more and more cases together using forensic ballistics evidence. All of the shootings took place between April 10th and September 27th. Six victims died, while a seventh survived her injuries. The Stockton police chief says the motive is unknown. He says detectives do not have evidence tying the men seen in the video to the shootings, but police want to speak to him as part of their investigation. And now there is a $125,000 reward for information leading to an arrest. Police are asking members of the public watching the footage to pay attention to the man's uneven stride and unusually upright posture. And they say none of the victims were robbed or beaten before the killings. The shootings also do not appear to be related to gangs or drugs. And a group of healthcare organizations are asking the Justice Department to investigate what they deem as disinformation about gender reassignment on youth. They're also asking the DOJ to prosecute individuals provoking or making threats online against those that, pre that preform the procedures. Entity's Jeremy Sandberg has more on that. The group sent a joint letter to U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland on Monday. They are asking the Justice Department to investigate individuals, organizations, and entities that coordinate, provoke, or carry out bomb threats and threats of personal violence against children's hospitals and physicians that perform what they refer to as gender-affirming care. Gender-affirming care relates to sex change operations or cross-sex hormones and puberty blockers for young people. They claim the threats are a result of a coordinated disinformation campaign. The group includes the American Academy of Pediatrics, American Medical Association, and the Children's Hospital Association. Collectively, they represent around 270,000 physicians and 220 children's hospitals across the U.S. Critics accuse proponents of gender-affirming care of fast-tracking minors along an irreversible course and denounce the process as child abuse. Supporters say the procedures are medically necessary for the patient's overall well-being and can prevent suicides. The medical groups also wrote to social media companies Twitter, TikTok, and Meta. They are asking them to stop the spread of what they deem disinformation about gender reassignment procedures. They say when high-profile users share what they perceive as false and misleading information online, it causes an escalation of threats, harassing emails, 
phone calls, and protests that disrupt operations. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Opponents of the minor gender transition procedures are planning to protest outside the American Academy of Pediatrics convention in California on Saturday. And Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt is taking action against a children's hospital that performs those procedures. He signed a bill on Tuesday that blocks them from receiving federal pandemic relief money unless they stop performing cross-sex treatment on children. The new law sets aside over $108 million in American Rescue Plan funds for the University of Oklahoma's health system, OU Health. However, they will only get the money when none of its medical facilities offer gender reassignment medical treatment to patients under 18. Stitt says the law is meant to prevent tax money from being used to fund irreversible procedures on healthy children, but he says the bill doesn't do enough and wants lawmakers to craft another bill to ban the treatment on minors, not just at OU, but across the state. The nation's highest court is wasting no time in its new term. The Supreme Court has rejected a challenge to President Biden's vaccine mandates for health care workers. The justices previously allowed the mandate to stand while leaving open the possibility of ruling in favor of state challengers in the future. But in another high-profile case, the court has overturned a lower court ruling on a Massachusetts gun law. Here's Entity's Melina Weiskup with the details. In the first ruling of their new term, the Supreme Court Monday reversed a ruling on a Massachusetts gun law that had imposed a lifetime ban on purchasing handguns on anyone convicted of a crime involving a gun. Uh, you know, in these cases, specifically in Massachusetts, many of these are nonviolent misdemeanors. Um, you know, it's not that they committed a crime with a gun or it's not even that they hurt somebody, uh, and now they're no longer allowed to defend themselves or their family. The case involved a Massachusetts man who was arrested in 2004 in D.C. for carrying a handgun while entering a museum. 14 years later, he was denied a permit to buy a firearm. The high court's ruling returns the case to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the First Circuit for further consideration in light of the Supreme Court's ruling this past June, which recognized a constitutional right to carry guns in public. Have you all noted an increase in the purchase of guns since the Supreme Court has been ruling more pro-Second Amendment? The past few years in general have led to a huge increase due to COVID, the you know protests of last year or the year before, and um, the rise in crime in general has led to a huge increase. And in another high profile case that the Supreme Court is taking up just after kicking off their new term, they're looking at the implications of the Voting Rights Act. Now, what's happening here is a group of Alabama voters wants to get a ruling from the court that would require Alabama to redraw their congressional maps and create a second black majority voting district. Alabama is pushing back, saying that this would be um, unconstitutional. It would be an example of race-based sorting. That's what Alabama is saying. Now, it's unclear when the Supreme Court will issue the ruling on this. Justices may wait until after the November elections because midterms are just weeks away. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Melina Weiskup, NTD News. Former President Donald Trump is asking the Supreme Court to intervene in the dispute over materials the FBI seized from his Mar-a-Lago estate. He wants the 100 or so documents with classified markings to be part of the special master's review. 
Trump's lawyers say special master orders are not appealable under federal law and that the stay on the documents granted by the 11th Circuit Appeals Court impairs the time-sensitive work of the special master. They argue the independent arbiter should have access to them in order to determine if they are in fact classified and to see, regardless of classification, if they are personal records or presidential records. The appeal request was filed to Justice Clarence Thomas. He is the justice assigned to the 11th Circuit. He can either deny the application or pass it on to the full court for consideration. And in a whole nother topic, we have a turnaround in the Twitter deal because it seems the deal is on again. Elon Musk proposed to proceed with the original $44 billion bid to take Twitter private. He said that in a letter to Twitter on Monday. That's if the Delaware judge agrees to halt court proceedings, of course. And today's Daniel Monaghan has more. An agreement would put the world's richest person in charge of one of the most influential media platforms. It would also end months of litigation that damaged Twitter's brand and fed Musk's reputation for erratic behavior. Musk will take over a company he originally committed to buying in April but soon soured on. After the news broke, Musk tweeted that buying Twitter would speed up his ambition to create an everything app called X. That echoed suggestions he made in June about creating a super app or marketplace for different apps and features something similar to WeChat, popular in China. Musk has also said he wants to create a money transfer feature. The renewed offer comes ahead of a highly anticipated face-off between Musk and Twitter. That was set for October 17th in a Delaware court. There, the social media company was set to seek an order directing Musk to close the deal for $44 billion. It was not immediately clear why Musk chose to abandon his fight. He recognized the writing was in the wall. He was going to end up having to own Twitter one way or another saves him a black eye in a long and ugly court battle. There was also the issue of the discovery rulings the judge made that largely favored Twitter. Twitter had apparently submitted text messages suggesting Musk was trying to get out of the deal due to the political situation. That is not a basis for getting out of the deal, as it turns out. World War III can happen and he still has to close. Twitter received Musk's letter and intended to close the deal at the original price. Musk had previously tried to walk away from the deal, that on account of his belief that the number of automated bot accounts were higher than Twitter's less than 5% estimate. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. It's been a week since Hurricane Ian hit Florida. Search and rescue teams from across the nation have made their way to a southwest Florida island. Crews continue to go door to door looking for anyone trapped in their homes. The death toll has now exceeded 100 people. NTD's Cost Temines has the details. Crews are working tirelessly to search for survivors in Fort Myers Beach. The powerful storm is now responsible for at least 106 deaths. Officials fear that number could rise. Hundreds of thousands of people are still without power. Some people have been without power for a long, long time. And so this is an important effort and want to keep making progress. Food and water are scarce. I've been trying to leave it for my kids so they could eat. Florida Task Force 2, based in Miami, has stayed on the island to help local authorities find people who remained on the island during Ian's wrath. What we have learned is that in that period, getting people out there, it increases the, the chances of survival tremendously. Officials have set up a base camp with mobile showers and porta potties while taking shifts on finding more survivors in a debris-filled island. Many fear rebuilding could take years. 
homes on the island were known for their charming colors and having a paradise in their backyard. Now the area has turned into a full tactical search and rescue operation zone. Fort Myers Beach is famous for its white sand and teal blue waters and has attracted vacationers for years. But now it's a place of desolation, littered with destroyed buildings. Cost MNS, NTD News. And here in New York, authorities found more fentanyl pills, 15,000 in toy packaging. It's the largest seizure to date in New York City. The drugs were hidden in a Lego box. One woman has been arrested. Authorities surveilling a Manhattan street allegedly saw Letitia Bush get into a car with a large object. They searched the vehicle and found multicolored pills inside several brick-shaped packages. The pills allegedly originated in Mexico, where cartels have been producing fentanyl in rainbow colors to mimic candy or illegitimate prescription drugs. Bush was arraigned Friday. Her bail was set at $25,000 cash. In other news, a former employee of Boston's Northeastern University was arrested and charged with fabricating a report last month. He claimed a package delivered to the campus exploded and injured him. Police charged 45-year-old Jason Duhame with one count of intentionally conveying false and misleading information and another count of making materially false statements to law enforcement. They accused Duhame of making up the story of the explosion. They also say he faked injuries by shark objects he said flew out of a hard plastic case he opened. The FBI says he falsely told investigators that he found a letter with threats directed at the lab where he worked in Northeastern, evacuated part of its campus, and canceled some classes after the incident. The event invoked memories of the deadly 2013 Boston Marathon bombings. Those bombings killed three and injured more than 260 others when a pair of homemade bombs were deployed near the race finish line. Let's move overseas for a moment here. The U.S. and South Korea fired four short-range missiles off the country's east coast into the sea Wednesday morning. Officials in Seoul say the tests are in response to North Korea firing a ballistic missile over Japan and into the Pacific Ocean on Tuesday. It was the furthest North Korea has ever fired a missile and the first it launched over Japan since 2017. The launch was seen as, a as provocative and drew international condemnation. Here is what NSC coordinator John Kirby had to say about it. This is not the first time we've done this in response to provocations by the North to make sure that we can demonstrate our own capabilities bilaterally with the South Koreans and with the Japanese and trilaterally between all three countries to make sure that we have the military capabilities at the ready to respond to provocations by the North if it comes to that. Now, it shouldn't come to that. We have made it clear to Kim Jong-un we're willing to sit down with no preconditions. We want to see the denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. He hasn't shown an inclination to move in that direction, and quite, quite frankly, he's moving in the opposite direction. Well, and officials from Japan, South Korea, and the U.S. agreed on Tuesday to work together in mitigating future North Korean threats. They plan to continue discussions at a council meeting in Tokyo this month. And coming up, chipmaker Micron confirmed a $100 billion investment in New York, calling it the largest semiconductor facility investment ever made in the U.S. And the U.S. labor market cools down as job openings fall by one million in August. We have more on the U.S. economy after the break.
Welcome back. A massive semiconductor factory is coming to upstate New York. Chipmaker Micron Technology said on Tuesday that it plans to invest up to $100 billion over the next 20 years. Micron said the new factory will be built about 15 miles from Syracuse and that it will be the largest semiconductor facility in the United States. The Idaho-based firm said the factory will create nearly 50,000 jobs over the next two decades. Site preparation work will start next year, and construction is slated to begin in 2024. The move comes in the wake of the U.S. government efforts to increase domestic chip production amid a global shortage and to lessen a U.S. dependency on offshore chip production from Asia. These chips are building blocks required for smartphones, vehicles, and computers. U.S. job openings fell by the largest amount in nearly two and a half years in August, suggesting that the labor market is cooling down. That's as the economy grapples with higher interest rates aimed at dampening demand and taming inflation. Job openings dropped by 1.1 million to 10.1 million, the largest decline since April 2020, when the economy was reeling from the health crisis. The sharp decrease was led by health care and social assistance, followed by the retail industry. Still, vacancies are high. With over 10 million available positions, there are about 1.7 job openings for every unemployed person in August, and layoffs remain low. Taken altogether, it's all a sign of a still tight labor market, which will likely keep the Federal Reserve on its aggressive monetary policy tightening path. The U.S. Central Bank has hiked its policy rate from near zero in March to its current range of 3% to 3.25%. They have signaled more large increases were on the horizon. The nation's gross national debt has surpassed $31 trillion. That's according to a U.S. Treasury report released Tuesday. Since 2020, outstanding debt climbed by $8 trillion, and in just eight months, it jumped $1 trillion. Last month, the Committee for a Responsible Fiscal Budget estimated President Biden's policies could add $4.8 trillion to the deficit between 2021 and 2031. Despite Biden touting his administration's deficit reduction efforts this year and recently signing the so-called Inflation Reduction Act, economists say the latest debt numbers are a cause for concern. And scientists Alana Spey, John Clauser, and Anton Zeilinger won the 2022 Nobel Prize in Physics yesterday for experiments in quantum mechanics. The experiments laid the groundwork for rapidly developing new applications in computing and cryptography. The Royal Swedish Academy of Sciences says their results have cleared the way for new technology based upon quantum information. The scientists all conducted experiments into quantum entanglement. That is when two particles are linked regardless of the space between them. It is a field that unsettled Albert Einstein. He even referred to it as spooky action at a distance. French President Emmanuel Macron tweeted his congratulations to the winners, adding Einstein himself did not believe in quantum entanglement. Today, the promises of quantum computing are based on this phenomenon. And there is still a lot of mysteries of strange and things uh, to discover in the quantum. The pleasure, or more the pleasure, the enthusiasm we had when the result was there. Quantum physics is the study of matter and energy at a subatomic level. It involves the smallest building blocks of nature. Its laws clash with those of classic Newtonian physics. Wow. Well, Kevin, when will, will we see you up that stage then? <sighs> well, maybe one day, you know, quantum physics, it's, that's something I studied in college. It was really weird. Oh. Two particles, being in different places at the same time. 
Well, along those lines, you know what they say, there's people who understand quantum physics, those who don't, and then there are those people that do, un do, do under simultaneously do understand and don't understand quantum physics. Which one are you? Uh, I think I'm the, I'm j I just don't understand it, period. <laughs> <laughs> But moving on to the next topic, Australia is committing to zero extinctions with a new plan to protect 30% of its land. The country has one of the world's worst records on extinctions, but it hopes to prevent any more species from dying out in the country with this new 10-year plan to protect its most threatened plants and animals. The, pl the plan brings Australia in line with more than 100 other countries pledging to protect 30% of their land and 30% of their ocean by 2030. And coming up, one strategy to survive inflation has always been a side hustle. And of course, one, that, one, one of the platforms that come to mind for that is Amazon. An expert tells us how to be successful there after the break. Good to have you back with us. Crocs is giving away thousands of free pairs of its clogs to celebrate its 20th anniversary. It's all part of its free pair for all Croctober daily shoe giveaway set to run now through Friday, October 7th. To participate, you need to join the free Crocs club and opt in for emails. Free pair for all, well, get your chance, everybody. Yeah, well, I mean, the company made over $2 billion last year, so they must be doing something right. Wow, yeah, for sure. But we're moving on now, because one strategy to survive inflation has always been a side hustle. And of course, one of the platforms that come to mind for that is Amazon. I spoke to an expert that had some tips on how to make your side gig a success. Joining me now is Fernando Campos. He is the co-founder of Marketplace Ops. That's an agency that helps online sellers grow and be successful. So exactly the right person to speak about this. It's so great to, ha great to have you, Fernando. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Well, I think many dream of making money with something they love doing. So let's, you know, for those people that are crafty, how do you suggest them to make money with their handmade products? Yeah, it's a great question. So uh, Amazon has a ton of really cool programs, uh, you know, to kind of sell product on Amazon, whether it's, you know, the Amazon marketplace that everyone typically thinks about, uh, Amazon like handmade, uh, there's like the KDP, the Kindle program, Amazon merch. And so if you're like a person that likes creating products, like kind of more like the Etsy type of uh, product, then I think handmade is a phenomenal program. There are so many products on Amazon. How do you make sure yours sticks out? And I assume that has something to do with the tools you're mentioning. Yeah, it's a great question. So I, I think um, the main thing, like, you know, when you're thinking about uh, selling on Amazon, I think one of the really important things to think about is that when a customer comes to Amazon, they have kind of buying intent typically, right? They're coming to the platform specifically looking for something unlike you know TikTok or Google they're they're looking to make a purchase and so it's about creating products that are kind of matching that customer demand or like those kind of search keywords uh with your product and so being highly relevant is really important and ideally differentiated in some way so it's not like i don't know uh if you're selling let's say a cabinet that looks like everyone else's cabinet, for instance, like, you know, it's going to be hard naturally if everybody else has hundreds or thousands of reviews. But if you come up with a, a cabinet 
for instance, that's a little bit more unique, maybe it's to a specific type of person or a specific type of uh, demographic, then that will typically do better. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that's kind of the idea. Right. So I, yeah, I assume for something handmade, there will be no second of the kind somewhere else on the market. So I guess that would be a unique selling point. And I understand there are services to make the lives of sellers easier as well. Do you have any advice there on how to use them? Yeah, um, I, I would say Amazon has a ton of great tools. So they have like the business reports that it kind of gives you the um, all the fees, like the revenue that you're generating. You can kind of see progress over time. Uh, they also provide FBA, which is really cool, um, which is fulfillment by Amazon. And that allows you to ship all the products directly to the customer without having to warehouse it and you know go to the post office every day. Um, they have like Amazon brand analytics, which kind of gives you um, the relative keyword strength or like demand basically. Wow, that's very fascinating. And so, you know, obviously there's not, not everybody has that much time to make something by themselves. For someone that's just looking for a quick way to earn some additional income, what would you recommend for them? Yeah, good question. Yeah, I would say Handmade is a great uh, platform and then, you know, also listing potentially on Etsy. Uh, I would also look at, like, if you're kind of the more creative type and uh, I think Amazon uh, Merch is also a really cool program where you can actually just come up with the designs. But the difference is once you submit the design, Amazon will actually make the shirt, uh, you know, they'll make the shirt, I guess, print it and then, ship it to the customer then you make a royalty and so if you're like the more creative type but don't want to deal with actually making the product shipping it, and everything else amazon merch is also a great solution thank you so much fernando campos marketplace ops i appreciate it yeah of course that was really interesting and you know those ads that you sometimes see on social media about you know buying cheap cheaper products from china and then just slap your own brand on it and then sell it for premium the ads make it actually sound very straightforward and easy, but Fernando said, while it is a great opportunity, it will take some more investment and more planning than the other options that he had mentioned. So Evelyn, amid all the inflation, maybe we should find some more tips for our audience on how to save or earn some extra money. If, if you like the idea, please let us know. Send us an email when you have a chance. Yes, because before we wrap up, here's our email address. It's goodmorningatentity.com. So write us there if you'd like. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.